0: Want to know what strategies real graduates use to launch their career? Well, here's your chance. From personal stories to insider tips, our interviews with graduates and campus recruiters will equip you with the knowledge and inspiration you need to take off and stand out from the crowd. Brought to you by Prosspel, your one-stop shop for finding and securing your dream internship or fresh graduate job. Could you start by telling us your background story? What brought you to Australia and what you've been up to?
1: Absolutely. So I'm one of the students who enrolled into a university in Australia during COVID. Mm -hmm. So I completed my year 12 back in Delhi in 2021 and then made the decision to study abroad and i think i'm in i'm a part of her, i'm a part of the herd that actually started studying online mm-hmm. so a lot of people took a semester break a lot of people took like a whole year break a whole gap year but i didn't want to do that because personally my own mother she's a teacher so she had some problems with me taking a gap year and if i'll be able to do anything valuable anything productive so Yes, we made that decision collectively as a family to just start studying online because everybody was in hope that the borders will start opening pretty soon. A little bit about myself, I play professional cricket. So I used to play uh, cricket back in Delhi, India. And one of the primary reasons of me moving to Australia is to pursue that dream of becoming a cricketer. But uh, what I wanted to do on the side, which was that I wanted to align my passion for marketing and my passion for cricket. So, yes, taking baby steps, but yes, finally moved to Australia uh, in twenty twenty two January. Took the I think took the first flight that I could find, came to Adelaide, and yes, it's going to be two years. Can
0: you tell us a little bit about what you're studying here, and maybe what kind of job you're working?
1: Absolutely. Currently, I'm just about to finish my bachelor's of business degree, majoring in marketing. My graduation date is 10th of December so just three more assessments to go and as per work I'm currently working part-time as a marketing executive at
0: Aussie's Group Australia. Got it, got it and for maybe students who don't know what a marketing executive does could you give us a brief overview?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I believe each and every organization nowadays needs a marketing team For currently in the capacity of a marketing executive, I'm handling community engagement and events and content creation as well. So it's a bit all over the place. We recently threw a careers and networking event for international students like myself on the 23rd of October. So planning everything from getting businesses on board, getting students on board, making content and finalizing the venue space, finalizing the panel discussions, everything. Thing, even to the point of finalizing catering, coffee and everything. So with the venue space and liaising with different stakeholders all at once. General day-to-day tasks look like creating content, working on the next event, how we can promote the services and products in a better way.
0: And can you tell us a bit about your employer and what they do?
1: Yes, absolutely. My employer's name is Aussies Group Australia. So they're one of the top migration and education consultants in Australia. They have more than 30 plus branches and they basically help international students, working professionals with their visas and with their education queries altogether. They have an offshore team and onshore team as well. So if I talk about offshore, we have multiple offices in India. We have multiple offices in the Philippines. We have just another office that opened up in Canada as well. So if somebody is looking to migrate to Australia altogether, they'll help you from the point of you being offshore to the point of you being onshore. So everything in terms of student visa, temporary visa, permanent visas, partner visas. So all the visas out there and education consultants as well, that will help you with what course uh, you should be doing in terms of your values, in terms of your interests. Let's say if I'm interested in marketing and particularly I'm interested in graphic designing. So they'll suggest me what courses I can do, what uh, institutions I can partner up with and things like that. Our target audiences are both students onshore and offshore because we have an offshore team as well. We have have an onshore team as well. So when we are producing content, both of the target audiences are in mind. One, the services that we can provide for students who are currently in Australia and need help with the visas. And second, students who are currently offshore and they want to migrate to Australia. So how they can get in touch with us.
0: And in case a student doesn't understand what content means, could you give us a little idea about that?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Content is anything visual. So it can be a post, it can be a photo, it can be a video, it can be a 10 second reel, a 10 second video, 20 second video. It can be anything that is visual. And also it can be anything that is written as well. So nowadays posts on LinkedIn is also content because now they're linked to informative content, knowledgeable content, uh, entertaining content. So all of that, everything and you hear is content nowadays. And it's our responsibility to basically communicate what we offer as an organization through content. If I'm seeing something that is working on Instagram, I would like to implement that on my organization so let's say there's a trend going on which is very funny which is very entertaining but what sort of values what sort of vision that our organization stands for it's more so informative it's more so uh, knowledgeable right because when you're trying to communicate your services it's more so informative so finding creative ways to implement that trend that is viral at the moment but in an inform informative way So with experience, while you're working in marketing, you get to, when you make one piece of content, then you branch out into two, three, and while you're implementing those trends on your sort of vision, on your sort of organization, through experience, you get to learn a lot of it.
0: Do you have a specific example of when you implemented a trend at work?
1: Absolutely. It wasn't for this organization, but I used to learn in a student accommodation named scape and there's this trend going on that is very popular back in india back in southeast asia at the moment and it's just a basic audio that is very viral at the moment i used to work with scape in their marketing team and still do on a freelance basis so they had this brief that came out that make a trendy make viral content for us so i was like you know what that audio can be implemented on all three scale properties that is in AdLib. So I did that and it's performing really well. Actually. So actually, it was just posted an hour ago and it's already on 2000 views. Wow. So things like that, when you do so that sort of a thing, I have become like, oh, actually, these things do work out. If I talk about my current organization, there's this trend that was going on with uh, a bunch of people in Sunny's. And again, it was an audio it was very funny it was very entertaining but we was just, we were just brainstorming on how to implement that on our organization because the employees in our organization are migration agents and education consultants from a personality point of view they're serious they they're here to give advice and they're here to actually add value to students so getting them to do a funny and entertaining trend sometimes it's a task But that is where we build our people skills. That is where we build our creative skills. And that that is where I think I love this industry as well.
0: And what would you say is the coolest thing you've uh, done at work so far?
1: Oh, wow. From the top of my head, I think from the top of my head, I would say the coolest thing that I've done at work is throwing the careers and networking event that I just mentioned. And we actually got 300 plus registrations. So I'm actually really proud of myself because of that. And I think that, oh, I had that ability of driving students to this value-adding event and actually get a bunch of attendees. So yeah, that is, I think, one of the coolest things that I've done.
0: Wow. And how did you do it?
1: So we tried a bunch of methods. So when things weren't looking that great, we went to each of our partnered colleges and universities and actually walked in with flyers. We talked to receptionists, we talked to their marketing team that, hey, this is the event that we're coming up with. It's a completely free event. We have 12 to 13 businesses coming on board. So it would be great if you could reach out to your students, send an email or two, tell them about this event and just get them to sign up. So I think one of the most effective ways was that. Through that, we got a lot of referrals. Second, we created and put out at least two to three pieces of content every week leading up to the event. So I think that got a lot of traction as well. And
0: like on TikTok, spreading out the
1: word Instagram mostly. Yeah, Because it was targeted to uni students and a lot of international students. I still feel that not a lot of international students are on TikTok. But so we were targeting Facebook and Instagram. We actually put out posts in all of the Facebook groups first of all asking them to promote this on our behalf because we are not allowed to post then actually reaching out to clubs and societies of different universities to put it out in their email blast or newsletter which not a lot of students not a lot of clubs and societies were eager to but still however many we got uh, I think that really added value. So, it, which was a very time-consuming task, but I believe that still led up to 300 plus sessions and actually getting 12 to 13 businesses on board, which was an even more difficult task. So, it wasn't more of sponsoring, it was more of just coming to the event, holding a stall, talking about any vacancies they have, talking about their businesses, talking about their industry. Because what has happened is that I have seen a lot of my friends who have just come to Australia. They're either studying IT, marketing, civil engineering, whatever occupation. But they don't actually know what that industry is like or what they're getting themselves into. So that is why we want to, wanted to get businesses from every vertical, uh, just so that they could talk about the industry, just so that they could give them the real life experience, the reality check of what it is actually like working in consulting, what it is actually like working in civil engineering. So things like that. And we tried to get at least two to three businesses from each and every vertical which in the end we were able to so pretty good
0: nice nice so you had to convince students to come and you also had to convince businesses to come as well
1: yes all in a span of twenty twenty five days so yes all in a span of 25 20, 20, yeah i think yes so all in a span of 20 25 days we had to get students on board we had to get businesses on board We had to uh, uh, plan four panel discussions. So we had to get panel members for that. So yeah, those twenty twenty five days were really hectic, but they were really fruitful because it added a lot of value to students.
0: These days, I think a lot of people get into marketing through content, like you mentioned, like people might run social media for a student association, but it is quite difficult to get into general marketing. So I wonder if you have any other advice for students who are trying to make that jump from content to to marketing in general
1: absolutely i think the answer was in your question altogether if you're in a university or in a college anywhere once you're a part of a student club or a student society yes you you can be in charge of content but you can also be in charge of events event events is a big part of marketing as well Nowadays, everything is like a Venn diagram. So if this is events, this is marketing. So there's a section of marketing that is related to events altogether. So you can be in charge of events. You can be in charge of getting sponsors also a part of marketing. Uh, you can be in charge of relationship building. So um, you can be in charge of budget. You can be in charge of um what else can you be in charge of oh. you can be in charge of people management you can be a leader because skills like leadership skills communication skills relationship building people management all of these are in you can see in all the roles whether it be content creation or generic marketing so you can of start, start branching out from just content go into sponsorships go into admin go into events and just handle that for a club or a society. And they just communicate that on your resume. Because you've been in that certain position, despite the fact that it wasn't paid, who cares? Show that as a project. Show that as a club or a society that you're a part of.
0: And how did you decide you wanted to do marketing?
1: So it's, an, it's a, I would say, interesting story. So my mom has always wanted to work in marketing. But when she was growing up, my grandmother, she was a teacher herself. So she pushed my mother to become a teacher and not do anything else. And at that time, my mom couldn't say no. So she became a teacher, but she's always had this passion of becoming a marketer or work in marketing. Now we've pushed her quite a few times to give up her job in teaching and do something in marketing. But again, uh, that sort of financial stability and comfortable environment uh, has still kept her in that teaching position. But uh, that sort of uh, was ingrained into me. And I would say genes as well. And one thing that I always talk about is that it gives me the creative freedom to implement something. And if it doesn't work out, I have time to resolve it and re-implement it. And that sort of thing I only get in cricket. So in the cricket field as well, I can plan something, implement it. If it doesn't work out, I resolve it and I re-implement it. And that sort of feeling I get in marketing. So that is why I started to pursue this industry. Yeah.
0: And you said you wanted to combine your passion for cricket and marketing.
1: Yes. So now that I've been working in marketing, I've grew lacking to content. So I'm targeting organizations such as Cricket Australia, the Big Bash League, which has eight other franchises. So let's say Adelaide Strikers or Melbourne Renegades or Sydney Sixers, Hobart Hurricanes. So there are eight different franchises under the Big Bash League, which is a T20 cricket competition. So I'm targeting that sort of content positions in cricket. So I want to align... Content creation, marketing campaigns, and cricket altogether.
0: And by targeting, what do you mean?
1: So basically, connecting with professionals from that organization on LinkedIn, asking them what they did to um, basically get a role in digital marketing in content in that particular organization. If there are some platforms that that their marketing team already uses. I want to upskill myself on that platform, on those sort of softwares so that I can, when I'm ready to apply or when I'm, I have upskilled myself to that extent where I can reach out to individuals and ask for vacancies or ask for roles. I already have that in my arsenal. So let's say they're working on Adobe Premiere, Adobe Photoshop or other softwares. I, I'm upskilling myself on those sort of softwares already so that when they, Ask me this question I'm already prepared I'm like yes I know all of it so that is what I mean when I say I'm targeting these organizations
0: got it got it so you're reaching out to marketing professionals in cricket and trying to learn from yes. them basically
1: yeah no absolutely and I think that is where LinkedIn comes in because I think LinkedIn is a very big goldmine so I'm leveraging that and I'm trying to get into different conversation difficult conversations and trying to upskill myself through that
0: Got it, got it. And have you been, have people been getting back to you?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. To my surprise, a lot of people have. And I think that is where having like a personal brand on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. is very important. Because if I'm reaching out to you and I'm asking how things work at Prosper, I'm interested in the organization and I want to work with you. And when you go to my LinkedIn profile and you see nothing, Mm -hmm. you see just a profile, you see just a headline, you see 500 connections, let's say, but you don't see any posts, you don't see any experience, you don't see anything that reflects me as a personality. So that is where I'm working on myself in terms of I'm posting consistently on LinkedIn, I'm posting about my niche, I'm posting about myself, about my experience, and my professional development as well.
0: Got it, got it. And if you had to guess, what do you think? what part of your LinkedIn profile maybe do you think makes people reach or reply to your outreach messages the most?
1: So so I think the first contact is always that sort of a professional profile picture, a profile headline. But I feel that when people actually go, scroll down and go beneath that, they more so see, have you been posting on LinkedIn? um have you been interacting with other other people uh, in terms of liking commenting and they also the your experience so let's say if somebody goes to my linkedin profile now they will see that i've posted two times every week for the past couple of months so that sort of thing will get noticed and what i see personally is a lot of people reposting other people's posts which is still all right, which is still very good. You're actually taking the initiative of reposting and putting all of those things on the feed. But taking that next step, taking that additional step to voice your opinions as well. See that, hey, I've reposted this, but this is my opinion on this post. That goes a long way as well. So I think that personally is a deciding factor on people uh, messaging that.
0: Got it, got it. And you mentioned you're graduating next month, right? Yes. So is the plan to get like a marketing job in cricket right afterwards? Or how are you planning out your career?
1: No, at the moment I'm aiming to get more experience in the field. So the current job that I'm in, I've only been here for the past four months or so. So start working full-time here and once I'm, um, once I'm confident in myself and in my abilities of me reaching out to these people and asking them for help to get a role, that is when I will start reaching out. That is when I will feel confident. So, and that also builds from me, um, upskilling myself, me connecting with, uh, professionals from these organizations and actually getting a picture of what it will be actually like working there. I know I want to work there but I don't know if I will like working there. So I'm wanting to get that picture from professionals of how it is actually like working at these organizations.
0: Got it, got it. So after you graduate, you'll work full-time, start working full-time for your current organization. Yep. And gradually build up too with the... Gradually build
1: up. Got
0: it, got it. Hopefully,
1: yeah. Maybe if I think what I'm wanting to do start freelancing for a couple of cricket clubs, for a couple of local cricket clubs. So when I'm reaching out to an organization like Cricket Australia, I can actually put that, hey, I've worked in content for XYZ cricket club, XYZ district club, so that I have something on my resume because, yeah, if some if people, if the HR team of Cricket Australia is looking at my resume and they do see marketing role, they do see content roles, content creation roles, but none of those companies, none of those organizations are from their industry, are not from sport. Then they feel like mm, the, he, this person is lacking because he hasn't worked in this industry before. So I'm wanting to build up that experience. Maybe if even if I have to do an unpaid internship or something, I'm happy to do that unless and until I get that experience.
0: Got it. Got it. Very cool. And can I ask how you found your current role? Oh, sorry. Actually, real quick. Do you mind if I I have to... I think my Wi-Fi is getting a little weird. Uh, I'm going to connect to a hotspot yeah. real quick. Sorry about this. All good.
1: All good. All good.
0: All right. Thank you. Let me see. All right, sorry about that. Good. Oh, no. yeah. yeah, I wanted to ask, so how did you find your current role, given that I think a lot of international students, they say it's quite difficult to find even an internship in Australia. So yeah, how maybe you could share like how you did that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I'll keep it short. So basically, I was living in SCAPE and I was working as an ambassador in SCAPE. So I had the job side of things sorted where I was only able to work 24 hours. And I was getting 24 hours at Scape. And it was a really good job. I loved interacting with other residents and holding events, creating content for Scape as well. But unfortunately, my lease was coming to an end. Mm. And it's just that my friends and I, we wanted to move out because we wanted to get our own place. And while moving out, it clicked me that once I move out of Scape, all of my jobs will be gone so i actually won't have a job and i thought that hey i think i'm competent enough i have skilled enough to get an entry-level marketing role so that is when i started actually taking everything seriously that is when i realized that a lot of my peers a lot of my mentors who have been in australia for longer than i have They're still not working in the industry. They're still working in casual roles such as hospitality, fast food. And I have 100% respect for them. But personally, I didn't want to see myself in that role after I graduated. I wanted to secure a professional job as soon as I wanted, as soon as I could, sorry. So I tried to, I started to take extra steps. I reached out to my mentors. I reached out to all of my success coaches. And actually, asked for advice on how I should go about things. I already had a good resume in place, and then I saw this uh, job on LinkedIn, uh, which was like a marketing executive job for Aussie's Group. And the call to action was that you have to send your resume and cover letter on uh, over to a personal email. That was the who was the hiring manager. So I ended up doing that in the start of uh, sorry at the end of June. But I got a reply that, hey, I'm currently on leave and I'll, be, I'll get back to you in a couple of days. Unfortunately, that couple of day- days never happened until I, what I did then is that I reached out to another mentor of mine. And she said that you're currently studying, so you have to do something out of the box. So she suggested me to actually come up with a document wherein I've analyzed this organization's current social media. So I analyze the current social media and I tell them that, hey, look at me in a way that I'm already in this role and this is what I'll be doing. So she actually suggested me to take that extra step to do that free work in terms of analyzing social media and recommending changes. And then I sent them a document expressing my interest again and telling them that I'm still very much interested in this role. Send that on the 10th of July and actually got an interview on the 12th of July. So then we had an interview on the either the 15th or the 16th of July. And then I was onboarded around 24th or 25th of July. And because the thing is I had roles in marketing, but all of them were around content creation and marketing executive consists of content creation, but it's just a minor role. Bigger roles are also communicating, communication skills, event management, people management. Sponsorships, influencer marketing, sponsor, um, sorry, relationship building with other, with other stakeholders. So content creation is is just a small part of this current role. So, yes, I had to take that extra step and I had to take that extra step in terms of proving myself that hey, I'm actually competent enough for this. Got
0: it. Got it. And did you have to prove to them somehow that besides content, you can do all of those other things you listed?
1: Absolutely. So in the interview, the hiring manager actually had that printout that I had made for them, which was the analysis of their current social media and the things that I'm recommending. So he had this printout in his hand and we actually went o- over all the steps because he just wanted to check that I've actually worked on this document. And that is where I think my communication skills and my creative creative skills came into place where I actually laid down everything in a step step by step process. Let's say I'm recommending that we should do X, Y, Z thing. Now, how will we get to that end point? So I recommended all of those steps, and actually, that is what helped me communicate the confidence, the my skills, and how competent I am.
0: Got it. Got it. And I guess your organization um, there. Probably more okay hiring international students, or did you have to check with them if they hire people on a student visa? Um, how did you go about that sort of stuff?
1: The thing is, I do believe that they're okay with hiring international students because they're a migration consultancy any, anyway. So they know everything, they know the rules more than I personally know. So the hiring manager already knew that I'm only allowed to work 24 hours a week. He already knew which visa I'm going for next after my student visa expires. He already knew what I personally have to do in terms of visas. So he was really empathetic in that way. He knew everything. He knew that I can't stretch myself more than 24 hours. He was very communicative about that. And the best thing is that I've heard from a lot of people that once you're finishing your uh, studies, and you're going on your next visa, it's very hard to get a professional job in that tenure, because not a lot of employers know that you're sure, sure going to get your next visa. A lot of employers think that, oh, you haven't gotten your next visa. So we don't want to take a chance on you. We don't want to in- onboard you. We don't want to train you, and then have you see, then and don't have to see you go back to your home country. And in that way, my current organization and my manager and my hiring manager, they were all very empathetic. They knew that I'm sure short sure, going to get my next visa because everybody does. And who else to understand that better than a migration consultant?
0: Right, right. So it sounds like working in international education or like this sort of migration consulting field is a good option if you're an international student just starting out then-
1: Absolutely, I would highly recommend targeting organizations like these, even if you're working in admin, even if you're working in IT, even if you're working in HR marketing as well. So yeah, these are the sort of occupations that every migration and education consultant will be looking for. So yeah, go for it because who else to understand your situation um than a person who helps students get their next
0: freelance there. Yeah. Got it, got it. And can you walk us through the general application process for this role?
1: So basically, I, as I said, I saw the job ad on LinkedIn and the call to action that was there was to send my resume and cover letter to the hiring manager's email. Once I did that, he got back to me that he was on break and he would be coming back in a couple of days and that I should expect to hear from him in the next couple of days. Unfortunately, that didn't happen until I se- I took that extra step and I sent that analysis of the social media and things that I'm recommending. After sending that document, a couple of days after that, the hiring manager got back to me, said that he wants to schedule a call with me and if I could come into the office. Fortunately, I was living in the city at that time and the office is in the city. So I was able to schedule a call with him. After scheduling a call, we went through the document that I had sent uh, to him on email. I laid down everything in a step-by-step process. I, we talked about my visa condition. We talked about my hourly limits. We even went to the extent that we talked about what days I can come in. So at that time, I was feeling very confident. After a couple of days, I got the confirmation and I got my joining date as well
0: yeah, that was the whole thing Nice, nice. And what do you, did they ask you any tricky interview questions?
1: One thing that was a little, I would say, out of syllabus was that since I'm only allowed to do 24 hours, I was in a couple of other roles where I was just doing three to four hours a week. And with all these two to three roles, I was making up 24 hours of my time. But because of the scape role going away, because I was moving out, the major chunk of those 24 hours wouldn't have been there with me. The one question that my, the hiring manager asked me was that how will you be able to give um, 24 hours to us if you're already in a couple of other roles? So that is where I had to think creatively. That is where I had to do that sort of critical thinking. wherein I told him that, hey, the tenure, the project that I'm currently working on will last to this date. The project that I'm currently working on in my second job will last to this date. And that is how it aligns with your values and your joining date. Nobody will hire a student if they're not willing to give 15, 20, 24 hours. Nobody will hire them if you just have a four-hour availability or a five-hour availability. Because then that sort of employee is just more so a waste to them because they might as well hire someone who can give them 24 hours. So that is where I wanted to be very vocal. We wanted to be very proactive that I want to join you guys. I want to give all of my 24 hours to you because it's a professional job and this will really help me in my career.
0: And at that time, were they open to hiring students or part-time staff or was this like a full-time role that you convinced them to to take you on board part-time in the beginning?
1: To be very honest... The role that I originally applied for was full-time and exactly what you said. I had the hope that once I'm in that interview, I can convince them to change that full-time role to a part-time role because of my hourly conditions. But an interesting thing that I got to know was that until the time they got back to me, and until the time I took that next additional step of sending them my analysis, they were already conducting interviews for that role. And that was the major reason of them not responding back to me because they got to know that I was still studying. So by the time I had the chat, I had the interview with my hiring manager, there was someone already, there was someone that they had already hired as a full-time. But because I took that extra step, I was proactive and I sent them that analysis and I had um, four to five steps and four to five things that I recommend them doing. They made a Part time role for me. So, this part time role wasn't planned for them. They hadn't budgeted for this role, but they hired basically two new marketing staff at the same time one, my senior, who is a full time, and one, myself, who is part time at the moment.
0: Wow. So, they basically made a new role for you then.
1: <laughs> yes. And I'm really grateful and for, just, like, I'm really happy for that. But yes, that is how it went. And that is where I am right now.
0: Wow, that's amazing. They must have been really impressed with your social media analysis.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think all credit goes to that mentor of mine. Her name is Alina Muller and she is working with Study Adlet to provide job skills workshops, resume workshops, interview workshops. And she's been working with Study Adlet I think for the past six seven years or so so she's my go-to person every time i am in a pickle or every time anything happens
0: got it got it wow can i ask how you met your you, you said you had mentors and success coaches was it how did yeah, you meet all of coach. these yeah how did you meet all of these people
1: it's a very interesting story. Alina I met during COVID. I was back home and I had already enrolled in a couple of subjects.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Being from India, being from that sort of a schooling method that isn't identical to Australia's university method at all. So at that time, what, we, what happened was that we got automatically added to the Study Adelaide Facebook group, mm-hmm. where they used to talk about where they used to promote their events and they used to talk about how they can help it to access students. And one of the events that they had going on was their resume workshop. So that resume workshop was actually headed by Alina. And and that was more so focused on students to get their resumes up to date, to get their resumes to an Australian format before they even come to Australia so that they can be job ready while this COVID uh, phase was going on. So that is how I got introduced to Alina through Study Adelaide. Kept in touch with her connected with her on LinkedIn. And when I came to Australia, I met her through another one of the Study Adelaide events. Yes, just started picking her brain for different roles. Asked her a bunch of favors, which I'm very grateful about. And yes, we're on very good terms. I call her my mentor. She knows that. And when I talk about success coaches... Success coaches is a term of Torrens University. When you enroll into a subject in Torrens University, you get assigned a success coach. And a success coach is supposed to help you with everything from subject selection to academic workshops, to referencing workshops, to building up your resume for you to get internships. And that is where my success coach came into play. And she is also someone that I uh, reach out to immediately.
0: Got it. That's awesome. It sounds like you do a lot of outreach and getting advice from people, which sounds like a very smart thing to do, especially as a student.
1: Absolutely. 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 Because I've been very vocal about this in my friend group as well. I think that your network is your net worth. So you need to have a quality network for you to not just get roles or get jobs, but you to basically develop professionally and personally so yes that is one thing that i've stuck by and that is one thing that has added a lot of value to me Mm.
0: what would you say is the biggest lesson you've taken away from your mentor or success coaches i think
1: as an as a 19 year old who moved to australia I didn't know what networking meant. I didn't know what relationships meant. I didn't know what relationship building meant. But getting that networking 101 and getting the importance of networking from these mentors, from these success coaches is what is something that added a lot of value. And it's that I would say that networking insect got ingrained into my brain. And still, I'm all for networking here.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. As a 19 year old anywhere, you probably need some help. So. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Because yeah. it's not just, it's not, it's a two way street because they will only add value to you when you add value to them. And it's not, oh, now I've added value once, so they'll add value to me once. It's not like that. You don't need to keep a score. But it's just that it's a two way street. You need to add value, then they'll add value as well.
0: So you mentioned you add value to them. Can you share a bit about how you do that?
1: Now, if you ask me, oh, how do I add value to someone who has 10 plus years of experience than me, who has 10 times of the network I have, how can I add value to them? Because I'm just a 21-year-old who is just starting out. It's as little as sharing an article with them that can add value to their network or can add value to their life, or can add value to their role in their current industry. So let's say if I'm working with someone who is my mentor, but they're in aged care. Let's say they have an organization that is to do with aged care and disability. I can share a news with them that they might have not heard of, which might affect their organization. And I can put it in a way that, hey, just heard this news. Maybe it can help you or maybe it can affect you and maybe you would like to make some changes. I can share a couple of articles with them. I can share a couple of LinkedIn posts with them that remind me of them or remind me of a couple of favors that they did for me. It's as simple as that. And it can also go up to a point wherein this time, the careers and networking... So basically, the careers and networking event that I was talking about I was able to, I was actually able to invite Alina as one of the panel members. So she had the, I think, I believe that added value to her personal self and professional self as well, as she was able to communicate to a lot of other students. She was able to talk about what she does to a whole bunch of new students. And I was able to help her get that opportunity. And that is me adding value to her. So Step by step, you build up from sharing LinkedIn posts, from sharing articles, you get them an opportunity where they're a panel member at an event that I threw. Simple as that.
0: Got it. Got it. And I guess you don't spam them with articles either. You probably do it in a thoughtful way.
1: No, absolutely not. Absolutely. For example, it can be as small as, so I on my personal LinkedIn, I did this, I started this series. Um, sorry on my personal LinkedIn and so I have a personal YouTube channel as well which is all to do with international students so on my personal LinkedIn and YouTube I basically was talking about cost of living in Adelaide and this series has been going on for the past 3-4 to weeks where I first post a LinkedIn post which is about cost of living in Adelaide 101 and then in the same week I post cost of living in Adelaide 101 my personal version So I've there's been times where I've tagged my mentors and my success coaches in those posts because they actually helped me navigate through all of that. And why not give them the attention? Why not give them the recognition in my LinkedIn post? And that adds value to them. Yes, my LinkedIn, like not thousands and two thousands of people are not looking at my LinkedIn posts. At a maximum, I'm getting 50 reactions or 60 reactions. Yes, I'm getting bunch of impressions but i'm only getting 40 to 50 likes or comments whatever but just tagging them goes a long way because that communicates the fact that i'm still thinking about you i am grateful for what you did to me and whatever you did for me that still has impact on me
0: makes sense makes sense so adding value can be as simple as showing gratitude then
1: absolutely Absolutely, absolutely, and it can be as simple as talking about them and how they added value with someone else. So let's say I'm at a networking event or I'm at an event, and we're talking about mentors. We're talking about people who've helped us in our international student journey. I can easily name drop Elena, which will actually add value to others, and they'll they'll think, who oh, who's Elena Muller? Who's this person who added value to Anshul's life? And how did she add value? Now that sort of stems on to a different conversation altogether where I'm talking how she added value to me. That sort of sparks something in my friends' lives and they want to connect with Elena. They want to talk to her, they want to get into a conversation with her. So that sort of builds her network as well. So it's it, it can be as simple as that.
0: Wow, that was like networking 101, I feel. <laughs>
1: No, it's just something that I've been able to build on for the past couple of years. And mm. I'm grateful to all of my mentors, success coaches, and people who have actually added value to me.
0: Got it. Can I ask like a few more questions?
1: Yeah, go for it. Okay, for it. awesome,
0: awesome. So easy. Got it, got it. So, what was your biggest culture shock on the job? On the job? Or while applying? Any sort of professional thing that you found really
1: professional culture shock I would say the informal hangouts and that sort of camaraderie in between your colleagues that's a very big thing in Australia I would say going out for drinks after Friday so like when the weekend starts going out for drinks having events for different festivals so let's say Christmas is coming up so the holiday season is already You can see the holiday season in our office. Nobody wants to work anymore because that sort of break is coming near. So yeah, that sort of camaraderie and that sort of um, employees and people being together and being friends and having so many commonalities because they've worked on for so many years together. That sort of was a cultural shock, which I'm currently over now, I believe. So yeah.
0: How did you get, how did you overcome it?
1: I would say just find commonality because there'll always be two people that know each other and are talking to each other and are having a conversation and you'll always feel like an outsider. You'll always feel like a third person, but finding the commonalities and trying to talk about that and then branching out that commonality into different conversations is personally how I got over it. And I'm starting to get into circles. I'm starting to bring, make friendships, relationships. And that is one thing that I would like to talk about
0: here.